as kids are asked questions about different things, I think they bring an interesting perspective. And so somebody asked some kids about heaven. One question was, what will heaven look like? Somebody said, rainbow colored with glitter. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in that response. Somebody said, like colors you've never seen before. And they don't know how right they are. We're going to get into that next Sunday. Um, somebody else said, pinky purple. So pinky purple's there. Um, maybe I'm thinking that heaven might look like a cloud, one of them said. Another one said, it doesn't have any grass. So no grass, according to this one. Uh, somebody said, my cloud is going to be made of marshmallows. I'm like, me too, kid. Wait your turn. Um, and this was a little bit somber. This one child said, it's a house where you die in. So that's, that's unfortunate. Um, who will be in heaven? Somebody said, cows that play with Jesus. Um, somebody else, this was interesting, said, the white socks, I think, will be in heaven. Not this season. Definitely not this season. Um, somebody said, Jesus is going to be there. And said, and I was planning on giving him a high five or something, but I'll miss when he does the down low too slow because he's really fast. So it seems like there's some confusion about heaven, right? It seems like there are some things that people believe about heaven that's very different than what other people believe. And there's just like a misunderstanding about what it's going to be like. And so that's why we're doing this series because heaven is incredible. We should be looking forward to heaven and all that is, is God has prepared, prepared for us. But man, I think sometimes we just have to dig into what the word of God says a little bit about it and learn a little bit more about where we're going and where we'll be spending eternity and actually look forward to it. That's my heart in this series is that we would anticipate it and be excited about it. And of course, there's a tension there. And I brought that up last week that there's this tension between, you know, hey, I feel like there's a part of me that I, I, I got stuff to do, man. I'm on a mission. I know there are people I'm supposed to impact and I have a family that I love and I, I'm not ready to leave them. And I know I want to see what God's going to do in their life. I got people to pray for. I got people to witness to. I've got a job to do, right? But there's that, that other side of it. But man, I can't wait to be with Jesus. I can't wait to go hang out with Jesus. I can't wait to look him in the face. I can't wait to be near him. And so there is a tension here and that's appropriate. Even Paul said he felt some of that tension, didn't he? And so if you're here today, you're like, man, I'm not all that excited about heaven. Well, okay, th- there's something to, to dig into into a little bit more, but, but some desire to be here is good, right? That, that, that's a good thing. Your life is a blessing. You're meant to be on planet earth for this time, right? In this way. And so celebrate what God's doing, but also look ahead and see what's to come. You know, I think as people look at different ideas of heaven and, and maybe you've learned some things, you know, and we need to unlearn some things. Maybe movies haven't helped us all that much. Maybe, you know, different conversations and TV shows and things that have depicted heaven a certain way haven't helped a whole lot. And so again, I just hope that this really helps. And you know, the Bible tells us some amazing things about heaven, but, but remember, heaven is a God idea. And so if it's a God idea, it's going to be a lot different than anything you or I could come up with. And there are times where I'll say from the stage, if we're trying to figure out God, we can know some incredible things about who God is, how we get to know him, how he wants to speak to us and lead us in life. But there's also some mystery because God's just that big. If we could wrap our head around everything that God is, he wouldn't be that much bigger or greater than us. And heaven is the same way. Have you ever had a conversation with somebody and, and they're describing like an experience with you and, and, and they're, they're trying to help you understand what they did and what they experienced and at the end of it, they just sort of say, I, I can't really explain it. It was just great, you know? And I think sometimes that's what we have to do with heaven is, is we're, I'm gonna explain it the best I possibly can, but there's gonna come a point where we're like, wow, there's just some stuff that's so big and so awesome and otherworldly that to be honest, I just have to go, man, I can't wait to go be 
with Jesus. And so I think the Bible tells us more than we realize, but at the end of the day, we're also going to sit back and go, all right, God, I'm ready. I'm looking ahead. I'm excited about what you have. So I hope you understand a lot more about heaven as you leave. I hope you anticipate heaven as you leave. And I also hope that you will talk about heaven. You'll talk about Jesus and your relationship with God and share this amazing news that we have. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to let you know that every part of this series, and actually every single week we gather, I tell you how we get to heaven. I tell you what it is to have a relationship with Jesus. And so if you're here today going, how do I get to heaven? It sounds great. I want to go sit on a marshmallow cloud, right? Like, like how do I get there? Okay. Well, I'm going to share that with you as well here today. So everybody say home. This is the name of our series, but it's the point that, man, heaven is going to be our home. And some of you guys hear the word home and you go, hey, that sounds great. I love home. Home life's been great. And some of you go, home life's been awful. I don't want to go home. I just want to let you know, if you've had a great home life, it's going to be better than that home life. If you've had an awful home life, it's going to be greater than you can ever have imagined or wanted or desired. So last week, we saw this truth. Heaven is an incredible gift. And I want to remind you of some of the things that we saw together last week. We looked at nine, nine reasons why heaven's an incredible gift. Number one, we saw that we just have to think about the alternatives to realize what an amazing gift heaven is. You start to think about what other religions teach about the afterlife, or you start to think about, you know, oblivion where we all just cease to be and there's nothingness, right? You start to think about God, how he could have decimated the whole world and every person and been perfectly just and right to do so. But instead he gave us this opportunity to know him and to go to heaven and to be with him. I think about how the fact that we'll be freed from sin and temptation. I think about the fact that we will be reunited with loved ones. Can't wait to see some loved ones. Uh, No more tears and answers for the reasons we cried those tears. That was so big last week to realize that Jesus is going to wipe every tear away, but he's also going to give us answers to the questions that made us cry those tears in the first place. He's going to give us understanding. We're going to see through heaven's eyes so that we will never cry again. It's not like Jesus just wiped those tears away and then we're going to wake up, you know, the next day and cry again about, you know, those same things. No, God will have given us understanding and perspective that we will no longer cry those tears again. We'll be free from all that causes pain. Listen, No more abominations, no more horrific world wars, no more horrific murder and deceit and lies and schemes and, man, just all the horrific abominations that happen in our world that we wake up and see on the news every day, gone, all wrongs made right, and total access to Jesus. I know if you're in a community group, you sat probably in a living room this past week and you discussed those nine things from last week and and you talked about what you're most looking forward to. And man, our group had incredible discussions this week about what we're most looking forward to about heaven. But today, I want to erase a bunch of uncertainty about heaven. Again, there's a lot of uncertainty. And so here's a few things I want to hit today. I want to show you some things that will continue from here into, into heaven, okay? Some of us are like, well, there's things I like about here and now. There are good things that I will miss. Well, we're going to talk about some things that will continue on from here into heaven. Another thing, we're going to talk about what we will do. That's a big one for a lot of us. We just don't know what we're going to do forever, right? Is it just going to be a long church service? Have you ever been to church service? It felt like it just would never end. You know, it's like the, the goal of the preacher to keep preaching until Jesus literally comes back. Like, I got things to do, you know? And so we're going to talk about what we're actually going to do. And I think you're going to be amazed at what we're going to do. And then we're going to look at the physical details of heaven. Will it be all clouds? Um, Will we be angels? Will we be winged people? Like, what are we going to look like and be like? And where will heaven be? All right, so let's start out. If you're a note taker, get your note stuff out, get ready to roll. If you're not, sit back and enjoy. But number one, continuity from earth to heaven. In his book, One Minute After You Die, Erwin Lutzer 
points out several things that will continue from earth to heaven. And if you want a quick read on eternity, on heaven, a really good solid book, I recommend the one that I just, I just spoke about, One Minute After You Die. If you want an in-depth, you're going to study for like a month a book this thick, then check out Heaven by Randy Alcorn. And I just heard recently there's another great book out called The Case for Heaven, and that's by Lee Strobel. You can check that out as well. But let's jump in. Okay, so continuity from earth to heaven, things that will continue. Number one, uh, personal knowledge continues. Personal knowledge continues. So in other words, heaven is not going to be a big memory wipe. You know, like sometimes I think we fear that. Will I even know what happened here on earth? Will I remember my life? Will I remember those good memories? Will I remember um, the good times and people? Will I know people? And will I recognize other people due to those memories and experiences? Absolutely. Heaven is not a memory wipe. Your, your memory will continue. Your knowledge will continue. And um, we see in the scripture a time where Jesus tells a story about a man who has passed and there's this whole discussion of, of what he knew in life and family members. And, and so we know that on the other side of, of eternity, there is going to be continued knowledge and continued memory. Um, you know, I think stories are huge. I think we'll be telling stories and, and reminiscing about good times together in heaven. I know when my family gets together, we tell stories all the time, pretty much the same three, me, my dad, and my brother-in-law. When we leave, my wife's like, Doug, if I hear you tell a story about falling through the skylight or getting run over by the car one more time, yes, I often get hurt. But um, so like, you know, we're going to tell stories and we're going to remember and we're going to share beautiful things. I, I would love to hear the story from God. What was it like before you created everything? And then what was it like as creation was being woven together and you're just speaking things into existence? Like, what'd that look like? I'd love to ask God, what was heaven doing? What was the response when Jesus was nailed to the cross? What was the response when he got up and rolled, that, 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 that uh, stone got rolled away? Uh, what was the response when the Mets blew their lead in uh, 2022. No, that's, I won't waste that time. I won't waste that time. I can just say when the Mets blew their lead. doesn't matter what year you say, right? It's just, <laughs> just, just when they blew it. But some of you guys might be saying, Doug, I kind of wish heaven was a memory wipe, though, because there are things that I want to forget. I don't love that, that it's not a memory wipe. Well, like I said last week, there's going to be healing to all that wounded you. There's going to be answers for all those questions, all those tears that fell, fell because something happened that God will then bring perspective and answers and show you the good that he brought out of. And so your memory will be good. And as tears are wiped away, the answers will be clear and you will cry no more. And so there will not be this uh, forever aching in our souls as we remember things. It will be good things and godly things, and the good that God brought from them. All right, let's go on. B, a personal love continues. Love will continue, right? The greatest of these is love. Love lasts forever. And so our love for one another will continue. I love my spouse. I love my kids. I love my friends. I love my church family. I love so-and-so. Well, that love will continue, right? You will still love that person, right? Your love for Jesus will only have been intensified as you see Jesus. What about those people in your life you don't love? What if your boss is a Christian? Yeah, you'll love him perfectly in heaven, right? What an amazing thing. C, personal feelings continue. You ever think like, are we just going to be these cold, static people for all eternity? Or is it just, again, are we, are we going to be like almost like in oblivion where, where we're ceasing to exist? Or does personality and feeling continue? Yes, feeling continues. You're not going to be an emotionless, static, cold being. You're going to have things like joy. You're going to be you know, full of pleasure and, and satisfaction. In fact, in the presence of God, that's where those things will most come to life. Psalm 1611 is one of my favorite verses, and it says this, In your presence 
there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I think we can tap into some of that here and now. We can begin to sense the joy of God in our life. We can begin to sense that he pleases our souls as we come close to him. But man, the source of it all, perfect access for all eternity. That's what we're looking at. And so, man, feelings will continue. The great, beautiful, wonderful feelings. D, personal activities continue. Again, are you going to be bored in heaven? No, no. You're not going to be bored in heaven, not for a second. Uh, Erwin Lutzer says this, Yes, in heaven we will rest, but it is not the rest of inactivity. We will most probably continue many of the same kinds of projects we knew on earth. Artists will do art as never before. Imagine that. Like perfect, amazing art. The scientist just might be invited to continue his or her exploration of God's magnificent creation. The musicians will do music. I mean, I think on Sundays when we're here together, it's pretty close to an amazing, beautiful, perfect music environment as these guys lead us. So talented. And I can't wait until we're together doing music in heaven. All of us will continue to learn. And I love this. Beautiful. You ready? We are, says McLaren, saplings here. But we shall be transported into our heavenly soil to grow in God's light. Here our abilities are in blossom. There they shall burst forth with fruits of greater beauty. So those things you're gifted in, those talents and those God-given things that you're passionate about and you love and you're excited about, man, imagine them in full bloom. Imagine what that will be like in eternity. I spoke at a men's retreat uh, two weeks ago, and I was with a great church from Long Island. We went out, and we were doing all kinds of stuff all weekend. There was hiking. There was fishing. There was chess. There was sports. There was food. There was laughter. There was jokes told. We worshiped together. We prayed together. We opened the Word of God together. And at the end of the weekend, I said, you know, guys, I think heaven's going to be a lot like this. We're not just going to be sitting around bored waiting for the service to end right? We're going to be doing all kinds of wonderful things together. And so let's jump into that second question now, right? First off, we said, okay, well, what is it going to continue from here to eternity? But now let's go to what will we do? Okay, let's check this out. You ready? A, we're going to help God run the universe. That sound all right? All the type A people are like, oh, I am in on that, right? Give me a list. Give me something to do, right? Right? We're going to help God run the universe. Look at what it says about us in Revelation 22.5. They, that's you and I, will rule as kings forever and ever. We're going to be active. We're going to have roles to play in the kingdom of God. And God has given us responsibilities that will be enjoyable, right? Some of you are like, I don't want any responsibility. I just want to rest. I just want to rest. We're going to get to rest, but the responsibility we're going to have is going to be a beautiful thing, and I'll explain that in this next part. B, we're going to serve God. Revelation 22.3, no longer will there be any curse. Just think about that. Right now, you and I serve in a world that is cursed, that is broken, that is fallen apart. And so even our serving is in the environment and atmosphere of brokenness, and so what an amazing thing when all of that, all the fallenness is taken out of our serving. It's a whole different ballgame, right? The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city and his servants will serve him. Okay? So this is you and I active. If you've ever been on a missions trip, you've probably tasted a little bit of the beauty of the reward of what it is to serve. You know, if you've gone out on a grocery ministry and even though, hey man, there's challenges in, in it all, but, but there's something there that's so beautiful as you just serve. So many of you guys are on our volunteer teams and you serve and you, you know what? Sometimes you got to wake up early, you got to stay late or, you know, you got to deal with people and it's like, it's difficult, it's hard, but imagine all the difficulties pulled out of it. I imagine all the, the hard and the stress and, and the people who are mean and the people who say mean stuff and the people who write emails and the people, right? Like all that stuff has been dealt with. You're not disagreeing with anybody. It's just the good. 
We've been on many mission trips here in our church, and um, there's, there's certain line that our youth pastor Joey likes to say as we reminisce about those trips, because we've had some interesting experiences. We went to a place in Pennsylvania to work on a camp, and we were helping a, a camp that reaches out to inner city kids um, take some cabins down, like just destroy some cabins. But the cabin we were living in when we first got in there that night, the first night, there was a bat flying around when we got in, and it was coming after us, right? And then down in Belize, we went to, to help build a, a house, a small house for the people down in Belize. And as we were there in the bunks, all of a sudden, you know, we turn the lights out, all the guys are, are trying to fall asleep, and we just hear this scratching and these noises, another bat in the wall. So I'm like, all right, so we had, everywhere Joey goes, there's bats, so maybe he is Batman. I'm not sure if that's how that works or not. But, but, and then in that same cabin in Belize, the cockroaches were like huge. They were like cockroaches on steroids. And not only that, they, they were trying to jump into our suitcases to come back to America and start a new colony, okay? And so, like, you think about all those things. We stayed after um, Hurricane Katrina. We went down to New Orleans, and we worked down there, and the bunks were metal bars with tarp material between them. Those were our beds that we slept on. And, and they would collapse spontaneously, and they were bunk beds, so you had a guy on the bottom, guy on the top, right? And they would just collapse, and there was this noise I'll never forget. It was just little bing. You would hear that noise, and it was like, dive, you know, like, it's coming, you know? So we have all those experiences, and Joey, as we talk about these, these trips, always says it was the best of times, and it was the worst of times, you know? Because it really, there was, there was a lot that was stressful, and there was a lot that was hard. But listen, in heaven, all of that is withdrawn. All of that is taken out, and all of the beauty of Seeing the family walk into their house that we just built for them, right? Seeing kids from the inner city blessed with a, a cabin that is safe for them and bat-free, right? Like, you begin to see, wow, what God can do. It's going to be amazing. See, we'll laugh. I like to laugh a lot. We're going to laugh in heaven a lot. Luke six twenty one. Jesus was telling people about the rewards they'll have in heaven. He says, blessed are those who are crying. They will laugh. So you're here now. And man, you're just walking through it. There's been so much loss. There's been so much pain and heartache. But you will laugh. And I mean laugh. You know when you laugh so hard you can't stop? You laugh so hard there's tears coming down. Not the, the bad tears, the sad tears, the good tears. You and I will laugh together in heaven. God invented laughter, right? God's got a great sense of humor. Some of us know that through what we've walked through in life. But Jesus promised, those of you who have mourned and cried, you will laugh. D, will worship. Revelation 22, 3, the throne of God and the Lamb. The Lamb is just a name for Jesus. It's a, it's a, a nickname for Jesus. So it says, the throne of God and Jesus will be in the city. His servants will worship him. Louis Giglio once said, every time we get a peek into heaven, worship is room temperature. That's just what's going on. The worship of God. And I want to encourage you because... Worship is such an amazing thing. As I said, our team does such a great job leading us in worship. I was feeling close to Jesus as we were worshiping together before. And, you know, worship is just a response to something wonderful and great. You know, this past week, you probably ate something or saw something or did something, and then you responded to it by just talking about it and, and, and kind of praising it, you know, and, and saying how amazing it was. For me, it was some Reese's Buttercups this past week that got me, okay? My son brought a whole bag home, and they were seasonally shaped, okay? And those are the best kind, because the big ones don't have the right ratio of peanut butter and chocolate, as we know, and the small ones don't either, but those seasonal ones are where it's at. And so I was celebrating, my scale was celebrating with me as it threw up numbers as I threw up my arms, but man, that, that's the whole idea. Like some of us who are like, I don't like to worship. Like 
And we've done series after series on worship here, but man, worship is just going, God, you are amazing. And imagine doing that in perfection. Like some of us were able to worship God here right now, but man, some of us lost our jobs this past week. Some of us have a loved one that had surgery this past week or it's coming. Some of us have a difficult conversation coming up. Some of us, our bosses are starting to talk about changes around the business, right? But we were able to worship God in the midst of all of that. Imagine when all of those external pressures and internal pressures have been removed and that worship's gonna be incredible. I can't wait. E, we'll play music. We'll play music. Revelation 8 and 15 show us there are musical instruments in heaven. I love that. I'm so thankful for that. F, we'll rest. Everybody say amen. <laughs> Man, we're tired people, aren't we? We're going to rest. Revelation 14, 13. I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this. From now on, those who die believing in the Lord are blessed. Yes, says the Spirit. Let them rest from their hard work. What they have done goes with them. I love that because I think even here and now when we try to rest, often it's stressed rest, isn't it? Like we lay down and we're like, ah, I can relax now. And all of a sudden, stuff starts mentally. We start thinking about things, things that are bad or things that we had to do. And, you know, even just like, I'll come home from work, long day, mow the lawn, sit on the back patio. All right, I'm just going to hang out for a little bit. And then it's like, oh, man, I forgot to turn those sprinklers on. You run inside, you turn the sprinklers on, and you come and sit back down. And it's like, ah, you see there's a tree. It's all brown over there. Let me get the hose, and let me just, right? And then Kelly yells out, oh, it's time to start the grill. And I go over and start the grill, and eyebrows get burned off, you know, and I need as much hair on this sphere as possible. So that's always a loss. But, you know, like it's just, there's always something, isn't there? And so just to rest in perfection with our Savior. Gee, we will eat. Everybody said amen. Nobody did that time, actually. But Revelation 19, 9, then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who arrived to the lambs. Remember, the lamb is just a nickname for Jesus. There's going to be a Jesus wedding banquet, a, a gathering together, okay? There's this picture in the Bible that, that it's like we are the bride, right? And Jesus is the groom, and there's this, it's, a, it's just an illustration of this coming together, right? And so there's going to be eating. Has anyone here ever been to a Brazilian steakhouse? Just raise your hands real quick. Those things are incredible, are they not? I was talking with Thiago yesterday. He is Brazilian. I was like, all right, have you been? He's like, yes. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, they're pretty amazing. And he was telling me about the differences between them here and, and in Brazil and the whole deal. It was incredible. But I'll tell you, you just have food keep on coming out to you. It's incredible, right? They bring out a steak on a stick and they just cut it off on your plate. And then there's another guy comes and another guy comes and another. It's incredible, right? And man, in heaven, we're going to eat and we're going to celebrate. And what goes along with eating? Friendship, community, laughter, fun, enjoyment, right? H, I love this. We'll experience what Adam and Eve experienced pre-sin. So when you look at the garden and you see the relationship that they had with God, again, access, closeness, nearness, just talk to God. Talk to God in the cool of the day, right? Like that's a beautiful picture of what it will be like post-sin, when sin has been removed from the picture. And they had responsibilities in the garden, didn't they? But they enjoyed them. And they worked, and yet the work was enjoyable. And they served God, and they delighted in it, didn't they? And so there are a bunch of things that we will do in heaven. Like I said, if you want to dive in, get that Randy Alcorn book. It's 46 chapters. But one thing he says, he kind of says it as a question. But after all of his research, here's what he, he kind of says in this question format. He says, will we play sports? Expand culture. Enjoy entertainment like plays and movies and sporting events because none of these things are inherently bad. So there's a ton of things that we're going to do. And I hope your perspective on heaven is changing. But what are the physical details of heaven? What's it going to be like? Where's it going to be? And what are we going to be like? Well, A, city. It's a city. Hebrews 11.10. 
Abraham is waiting for the city that God had designed and built, the city with permanent foundations. Now, we know a lot about Abraham. We knew that God was going to build a whole nation out of him, and there was some here and now stuff that God wanted to do through Abraham and his, and his line. And there were some places that would eventually become uh, hubs where people would live. But, but we're talking about a whole different city here, aren't we? We're talking about heaven. We're not talking about a city that you visit or you live in a little bit here and now and then you move. No, we're talking about the city that you and I will be in for all eternity. It says in the next part, we don't have a permanent city here on earth. This is verse 14. But we are looking for the city that we will have in the future. And that, again, is this tension that we live in. That we go to work this week and go to school this week and do all that we do with all of our hearts here and now to glorify God, to draw people to Jesus. But there'd be this constant like gaze toward heaven, this constant eye on heaven like, man, someday, someday, no more tears, no more sadness, access to my Savior, no more abominations, all that has been wrong made right, food and music and art and fun celebrated, serving God, ruling with him. It's going to be amazing. It says in Revelation 21, 2, Then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, dressed like a bride for her husband. So heaven is a city. And Randy Alcorn says this, We understand cities. How many of you guys ever worked in New York City? Just raise your hand real quick. All right, cool. How many of you guys ever been to New York City? Okay, that should probably be the room, right? Okay. We understand cities. Cities have buildings, culture, art, music, athletics, goods and services, events of all kinds. And of course, cities have people engaged in activities, gatherings, conversations, and work. So heaven's not going to be boring. Heaven's going to be exciting. All right, where's heaven going to be? B, heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. Revelation 21.1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, John says, because the first heaven and earth had disappeared and the sea was gone. So it's like, okay, what does this mean? A new heaven, a new earth, the earth has disappeared. What does that exactly mean that the the earth disappeared? Is it just obliterated? Did God destroy it? It goes on in verse 2. Then I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, dressed like a bride, ready for her husband. Okay, so heaven is coming down. Isn't that interesting? I think we often have this image of going up. Now, that's a biblical thing, right? Jesus ascended to heaven, okay? And so I think it's right to think, okay, and, and you know, like, how does this all work exactly? Well, that's some of the mystery to it, but I think it's right to think that right now heaven is somehow up, right? But the day is going to come where it's coming down. It's coming down. Well, what does that mean? Coming down to what? Coming down to um, a new earth? Coming down to God designing a whole new thing? Well, look, look at Matthew 19, 28. It says, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, at the renewal. Everybody say renewal. So it doesn't say at the destruction. It says at the renewal of all things. When the Son of Man, Son of Man is just another nickname for Jesus. So he's saying, when I, when I, Jesus, sit on my glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So Jesus doesn't say after the destruction of all things. He's telling the disciples at the renewal of all things. Let's take it deeper. Romans 8, okay? A lot of you guys know this passage. It's really familiar. And it's very interesting. And, and you know that um, technique of writing called personification, okay? Well, this is what the writer does here. Paul uses a personification as he talks about creation. He says, all creation is eagerly waiting for God to reveal who his children are. Creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice. The one who subjected it to frustration did so in the hope. Everybody say hope. Okay, so creation, right? God speaks all things into existence, creates all things. But, but somebody frustrated it, okay? And that happened with the fall of, of mankind, right? Somebody frustrated it. And, and, and I want you to think about if 
Creation was frustrated, but it was done so in hope. Then who did that? I think a lot of us would think, well, I know who frustrated creation. It was the devil. But does the devil ever frustrate anything in hope? No, right? And so somebody frustrated the creation. Well, it's because it's going to be renewed. It keeps going, all right? So the one who subjected it to frustration did so in the hope that it would also be set free from slavery to decay in order to share the glorious freedom that the children of God will have. And so this is a picture of, man, God renewing the brokenness that has become our earth because of sin and the consequences of it. And so there's this renewing and there's this coming down out of heaven and there's this earth that God will touch and restore and make perfect. And I just think about that, man. There's some pretty incredible places on earth, aren't there? You know, Grand Canyon, um, Niagara Falls, like these different places you go. I don't know about you guys, if anybody else has an Apple TV. You ever like stop watching TV, but the Apple TV just kicks into like the mode where it's putting pictures up on your TV and you're like not watching TV, but you are watching TV because it's still going. And I just sit there and be like, this is crazy. You saw, like, I don't know if you know this. If you swipe up, you can actually see where it is that you're watching. And it's nuts, man. You're like watching these amazing images of Dubai or you're in Egypt or you're like up over the, or the earth, right? Or you're seeing the northern stars. Or like, oh, it's incredible. Can you imagine the renewed earth? Imagine how beautiful it's going to be. Imagine how amazing it's going to be. See. What are our bodies going to be like? What are we going to be like? Angels? What? Heavenly bodies. 1 Corinthians 15. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. Heavenly bodies don't all have the same splendor, and neither do earthly bodies. That is how it will be when the dead come back to life. When the body is planted, it decays. When it comes back to life, it cannot decay. So we will have spiritual, perfect bodies that will never decay again. I don't know if that sounds good to anybody. That sounds great to me. Yesterday, I was at the fall party, so we're doing a whole lot of moving and setting up and tearing down and running around. It was great. And then I did some yard work when I got home. And this morning, I've never done this in 44 years of my life. But I actually, because of the soreness of my back after those events, got down on my knees to put my socks on. I'm like, I am officially old, I think. I think this is, this is what happens. I, I got down on one knee, and I put the one sock on. I, put the other one, I was like, ah, get up. And I called on my back, you know? Man, it's going to be amazing to not have those issues anymore. And of course, it goes way deeper than that, doesn't it? You know, uh, So look forward to my wife, who's been chronically here for 15 years. And we pray here and now that she is touched. And I believe, baby, you will be. But man, we have the promise of eternity, totally pain-free, healthy and whole. I think of those of us who have lost loved ones. I think those of us who have walked with people through tragedy recently or we're all holding our breath because somebody that we love has a surgery coming up or something really painful that's happened in life, and I just can't wait for the day when we have these perfect spiritual bodies, no more sickness and no more pain. Like we talked about last week, no more death. You will never fear losing or leaving a loved one again. You know, I just, I didn't even say this out loud to anybody yet, but just yesterday, all of a sudden, this thought just hear me, this, this fear of losing one of my kids just hit me so hard yesterday. And I just kind of just sat there and thought, and, 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 and it was crippling, just that, that thought. But that will never be true of us in heaven. We'll never experience that emotion or that feeling. Are you seeing today that heaven will be amazing? Are you seeing that? It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. It's going to be incredible that there's going to be such joy there, such pleasure there, such satisfaction there. Are you seeing that we have to keep looking forward? And like I said last week, we have to keep our eyes there to help us live here, right? 
That's where our joy is, right? That's, that's what Jesus did. The joy, there was a joy set before him when he gave his life on the cross. He kept his eyes on the joy set before him. He wasn't looking around at the cross. He wasn't looking around at people mocking him and spitting on him. He was looking at the joy set before him, which was eternity and which was us as his inheritance. Heaven. Heaven's going to be amazing. Personal knowledge continues. Love continues. Emotions continue. Activities continue. We will help God run the universe. We will laugh. We will make music. We will worship. We will eat. We will rest in this city. Heaven on earth, perfectly restored with perfect heavenly bodies. I wonder if I'll have hair. I guess I'll ask my wife, which way do you prefer me, babe? And then, you know, oh, she says this way. She's a good liar, but we should be so excited about heaven. We should be so excited about going home. And yes, there's that tension. We live here and now, and we've got stuff to do, church, so let's do it. And let's love those loved ones, and let's live to the fullest here and now. But keep our eyes on eternity and share our faith with others. Some of you guys can relate to Johnny Erickson Tata. She's an amazing woman of faith. She has been a quadriplegic for most of her life. She was healthy, and then as a young person had a diving accident, and she's older now, but she has written books and toured the, honestly, the nations, telling people that Jesus is great and telling people that he is faithful and trustworthy and he loves you and he cares for you, ministering to people who have had awful accidents and other people that have been in her shoes. And and so she has, as you can imagine, a a horrible difficulty of, of every single day and every moment from a physical level. But this is what she writes. I still can hardly believe it with shriveled fingers, bent, I'm sorry, I with shriveled bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down, will one day have a new body, light, bright, and clothed in righteousness, powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope this gives someone spinal cord injured like me or someone who is cerebral palsied, brain injured, or who has multiple sclerosis? Imagine the hope this gives someone who is manic depressive. No other religion, no other philosophy promises new bodies, hearts, and minds. Only in the gospel of Christ, the hurting people find such incredible hope. And this is what we look forward to. You know, she wakes up every morning. I know this because she said it. She wakes up every single morning, and the first thought that hits her is, I can't do this. I don't have this day in me. She has a a loving husband who helps her, a nurse that comes in and gets her up out of bed and gets her ready for the day. And there's times that she's been honest. I'll I'll look my husband in the face. I'll look my nurse in the face, she would say, and and tell him, I just, I, I don't even want to. I don't have it today. They get her up and they get her going and she gets her eyes on Jesus and she gets her eyes on eternity and she gets her eyes on her relationship with her heavenly father and everything begins to change for her and she can go and do the things that she needs to do. And that's why we have to talk about heaven. That's why we have to have our eyes set on heaven because having our eyes set there changes everything here. And So what I would love to do is give you a chance as we head into this next song in just a few moments to like we did last Sunday, just start worship now, okay? Sometimes I think we need music to worship. Let's start to worship God now, just right in your seat, saying, Jesus, thank you for this aspect of heaven. You can, you can just sit there and meditate on the, the grace of God, whatever you're looking forward to about heaven and eternity. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I promise you, I'd tell you how we get to heaven. And I want to let you know, it's not about what you do. You know, there's that old joke. I feel like every joke about heaven starts with St. Peter at the front gate, right? And He's not going to be there. 
okay? He's going to be hanging out with Jesus. He's not worried about the front gate, right? And there's not going to be somebody standing there saying, what did you do? Tell me what you did in life that you should deserve this. It's not how it works. Jesus' death on the cross is how it works. His resurrection, his taking your place, his removing your sin, that's it. You know, I talk with people all the time who've new to church, but often even times people that have been to church for a long time and there's still that struggle, like, I don't know, man, maybe like I'm supposed to carry more of my own weight than, I'm, you know, than I have. Maybe I should have done this differently or that differently. I don't, I don't know. I, I hope I'm still, I hope I still make it. No, we, we can know. We can know. Jesus died in our place. That's it. When we get to heaven, the question isn't, what did you do? It's, what do you know? <laughs> what do you have a relationship with? Oh, Jesus? Your face been in him? Enter in, right? Like, that's it. Not Jesus plus, not Jesus and. It's just Jesus. So you can leave today knowing that you're his, knowing that you'll go to heaven. And so I love to give you the opportunity to put your trust in him. And one last thought. Some of you are thinking, you know, this whole topic is difficult for me because I've lost some people that I don't know if they're in heaven. And what I would say is what I said last week, you never know what God does in somebody's final moments. You know, if you believe in Jesus, it's because he did a miracle and opened up your heart to see and and believe in him, right? And so God can do that regardless of whether you're healthy and in great shape or you're taking your last breath in a coma and you weren't able to express to anyone that you did this. It's him. He's the miracle worker. He's the one who saves. And so I would encourage you today to put your trust in him. And I encourage you today, if you've lost somebody, to to keep your hope in him because you never know what God's done in those last moments. But be encouraged, everybody, because heaven will be amazing. Let's pray. So Jesus, we just take a few minutes now, God, before the worship music even starts, to worship you, to think about and thank you for those things we look forward to in heaven. So go ahead and do that if you're a follower of Jesus today. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I would love for you to pray with me now. You could just say something quietly like this. Jesus, thank you that this is all about you. Jesus, you died in my place. You rescued me from sin by your sacrifice. And I thank you that now I know you. I thank you that I have a relationship with you. It is not about what I have done or haven't done. It's about you. And so thank you for the gift of heaven. Thank you that I have all these things we talked about today to look forward to. So Jesus, forgive me. May I know with certainty that I am yours. Thank you for all you've done. In your beautiful name I pray, Jesus. Amen.